Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the, the lead pastor, and we're launching a new series. You'll see it on the screen here called The Invitation, and uh, this is an invitation uh, to prayer. An invitation is something that God's given us to engage in, to learn more about him, and we learn more about him, and we learn more about how he exists in the world through this prayer that, that's been defined for us. And uh, you may have grown up in the church, or you may have not, but you probably heard about prayer at a young age. Um, I remember one of the first influences that I had in my life related to prayer was this song. See if you remember this one. Let's pray. We're really glad you guys are here today. We're going to dismiss. <laughs> but interesting, that, that song has some ideas about prayer. Um, who, who, anyone remember? Who it was? Who was it? MC Hammer. And not Hammer. It was MC Hammer. He dropped the MC a little bit later. Okay, so this is the original, 1990, this song was released. It was a huge hit. I remember I was in uh, elementary school, and uh, some of you are like, wait a second, how, uh, What? <laughs> But uh, I remember hearing that, and I based kind of my idea, like, well, yeah, prayer, it's something you got to do. And in fact, MC Hammer says, you just, if you want to make it, you, you got to pray. And I remember just talking with friends, and just, it would show up in conversations. It's like, well, you know, you, we got to pray just to make it today. It became this, like, a vernacular. And prayer can be like that, where we've heard of a concept. Maybe you grew up uh, saying grace. Any of you, like, you grew up and you said grace before every meal. That was what your family did. Anybody? Anybody eat before? Yeah, you said, said grace. Uh, anyone get in trouble if you didn't say grace before you, you ate the food? Yeah, like that was in our family. Like you, you couldn't eat unless you said grace. And so prayer oftentimes goes back to kind of an understanding that we have uh, in our childhood if you grew up in the church, or maybe it's something that you've just understood uh, as you've been older through culture, through media, uh, maybe even your own experience. But the goal of this series is how do we take something that's actually uh, given to us by God, and how do we make it personal to us? Uh, how do we actually make it a part of our lives? And so the idea when you talk about a spiritual discipline, which prayer is, it's not to focus on uh, adding another thing, like another task to your life, because you have a lot of things in your life. But it really is, how do you create this rhythm of this discipline that God does so that you can connect with the spiritual God in your real physical life? Now, uh, there's obstacles to any discipline, uh, specifically spiritual disciplines. Uh, there are obstacles. So what I want to do is just to start off is talk about what those obstacles are. And so there's a, a QR code here on the screen. If you could pull out your phone and you want to get your, your camera, and I need to find mine. I think I left mine backstage. Go ahead and scan that right now. And I want you to identify at least two obstacles that you have. Uh, actually, you can only pick two. So one or two, you can pick uh, there's a screen behind you in the back if this is too far. Scan that, 
and just share real briefly what your greatest obstacle is. I'm gonna go grab my, my phone. Everyone got to it? Keep going, keep going. It should pull up a link. And uh, there's just a few options. Biggest obstacle, distraction, busyness. Don't know how, just I don't know how to do it. God seems distant, impersonal. Uh, I've prayed before, but God hasn't answered. Uh, or it's, it's boring and unengaging. And so if you, you took the survey, uh, what do you think the top answer is? Any guesses? What's the biggest obstacle for most people? Distraction? Any others? Busyness. Okay. So let me see. Survey says, number one, 89% distraction. Uh, second place, 71% busyness. Very interesting. Uh, the first service was actually pretty much identical to that. Different group of people, but uh, same struggles. Uh, third was unanswered prayer, 8%, and then boring and unengaging was, was 3%. The reason I wanted to illustrate that is as you talk about prayer, again, most of the time the biggest struggle with it is how does it fit into our life? Because we are so distracted. And then how does it fit in our life? Because we're so busy. And you hear, just, you've just got to pray to make it. It's just the only way you can get through. But it doesn't really make sense to us because we have so many things that are going on in our life. And so I want to start this week, and we're going to be talking about prayer over the next three weeks. I want to start this week with, with some perspective. And the idea of prayer is how can we exchange maybe some uh, wrong perceptions and maybe some wrong practices? How can we exchange that really for the way God intends prayer to work in our life? And so if you will, if prayer is a struggle for you, and prayer has actually been a struggle for me most of my adult life, it's something that I've had to really pray and ask God for help in and to, to work on and, and to really continue with my own perspective. If prayer is a struggle for you, uh, I want this series to not be something that just makes you feel more uh, distant or guilty, but maybe give you some things that you can begin to put in uh, practicing in your own life. And so uh, I want to start with, again, uh, some perspective issues. And here's the first thing of this invitation of prayer that he's given us. The first is, is this. Prayer is an invitation into God's reality. Part of why we struggle with prayer is we tend to focus it only from this human reality. And it's like, well, how can I do it when I've got so many things going on in my life? And the real issue of prayer is that you have to do it because you have so many things going on in your life. You are distracted and I'm distracted and you're busy and I'm busy. And the idea is like, we have to pray because that is our reality. What prayer does is it brings us from all of what we face and all that you have going on in your life. And it gives you this opportunity to turn to God for help, to see things as he sees it, to slow down, to disconnect maybe from the things that you're struggling with. Uh, Philip Yancey, he's an author, a Christian author. He, he said this, he says, prayer is the act of seeing reality from God's point of view. Prayer has this way, when we begin to engage and communicate with God, that's what prayer is, you're communicating with God. You're relating to him in a personal way. When you do that, it begins to shift only from what we can see to what he can see. Again, our perspective and our, our vantage point changes. Uh, the scriptures are filled with a call to prayer. That's why God's word, the, the spiritual discipline of reading God's word and prayer are always tied together because God's truth reveals who God is, his character, who we are, 
our need for him, and then those become the things that we pray for. But scripture is also filled with calls to prayer. This is the encouragement to pray. And this isn't on the screen, but you may want to jot these down for you to read just on your own. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3, it's a call to prayer in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, it's a call to prayer. God's people, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Colossians 4, 2. And then the Psalms in the Old Testament. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, this is usually found right in the middle. And the Psalms are really prayers that are written to God. And many of these Psalms were music as well, but the idea is it started with this prayer. It's this communication. And these scriptures and this call to prayer is to remind us of a reality that exists, that God is there, he's real, he's close at hand, and we need him with whatever we face in our life. Prayer is that reminder. So what I wanna do right now is I wanna encourage you to just reflect just a moment on the things that are weighing on you currently. They could be big things that you're seeing in the world. Certainly, our world is filled with so much conflict and so many perspectives of what the right thing is versus the wrong thing. There's things in your relationships. There's things you're facing at work. You're approaching Thanksgiving. There's concerns that you have related to that, relating to family, people that you care about, people that you love. There's things related to your finances, all sorts of things. So what I'd like you to do is just take a moment, just kind of to yourself, Think through what are the things that are weighing on you right now. And you may want to just jot that down. It could be one word. It could be a phrase. But do that right now. Take about 15 seconds. Just jot the first thing that comes to your mind that's been weighing on you. Go ahead. Everyone have something on your mind or written down? We probably all have something. Because we're human and we face all sorts of things that that weigh on us. And so prayer being the invitation into reality is the reality that does that thing that's weighing on me, is prayer the way that God can help me with that? Is that something that really through prayer God can help me with that specific thing? And I hope after today and as you yourself are reflecting, you will with a resounding yes say that is the very thing through prayer that God can help me with because I believe this is true. So let's start with a scripture In Psalm 46, again, this is a call to prayer. This is a perspective prayer. It's a command prayer, but it also tells us to to do some specific things. Uh, What I'd like to do, and I don't always do this, but I'd like for us to read this scripture together, like out loud. Psalm 46, 10 through 11. One, two, three. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And that word selah there means to to pause, to reflect. The idea is there's a truth, there's some perspective. And the Psalms have that word to say, stop, don't move on. Stop, reflect. And so that's where I want us to start. If prayer is this invitation into God's reality, then what we're doing is taking this literally and saying, okay, through prayer, I'm gonna do a few things. And so the beginning call to prayer is, is a call to be still. Did any of you grow up and your parents say, you can't sit still? Anybody? That was totally me. Like, I could not sit still. Like, I couldn't sit still. I was always kind of moving and fidgeting. Uh, I learned the drums when I was in junior high, and I drove my parents nuts because I'd just be sitting, you know, I'm just bound, just stop, my parents just stop. Can you just stop moving? And, and then I'd stop, and then my ears just wiggle, you know. It's always moving, always moving. 
Being still is, is difficult for me. Now, certainly that, that's talking about uh, your physical life, but it's also talking about this idea of like the spiritual, like what's happening, what's weighing on you, what you're thinking about. And so prayer is this call to be still. Now, being still is, is, is very difficult. I don't know how many times you have you in your own life when you've thought about praying and at the moment that you start to pray, you're distracted. Does that ever happen? Sometimes the most clarity I have is in the stillness. Like all of a sudden, everything I need to do for that week just comes to the forefront of my mind. Or that email I didn't respond to or that text that's notified, I need to get back to that person. What happens as we approach stillness is most of the time the noise ramps up. And what happens with noise and what happens with tasks and what happens with our to-do list is that they tend to crowd out God and him leading us to just then all the things that we have to take care of. And so the call to prayer is always in the beginning, this, this call of God, I need you. And I have to quiet myself and I have to be still uh, before you. Uh, not checking our phones uh, is difficult. I don't know if you ever had a conversation with God or with somebody else and you get a notification and how many of you, it's like that, you're like, my phone will self-destruct in five seconds if I don't check that. Anyone? There's just a feeling like there's something I need to do. And again, we've talked about this as a church, but with our technology, we're always on, we're always connected, which actually makes us struggle to be still. Prayer is that call to get back to the reality that there's just certain things that we don't need to take care of right now. And there's certain things that we can't take care of. We do need to disconnect and we need to recognize God. And that's the next part. Part of being still is the next uh, emphasis in the scripture. And that is that we can know God. We be still, we quiet ourselves. We get to a place where we, we don't allow the distraction and the hurry to overwhelm us. And we get to a place where we can be still, we can quiet ourselves, and then we can know God. And in fact, it's by the knowing God that, that also fuels that, that, that stillness. And when you're still, you, you can know that he's there. It's, it's like they, they both work uh, for each other. Um, I'm not a huge, you know, bumper sticker license plate guy, but occasionally I see some that catch my attention. And I remember uh, one of the first I, like Christian license plate covers that I ever read when I was younger, and it really struck me. And you may have seen this before. Remember this one? I don't know if you've seen this. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. First off, when I first read that, I thought, English is the hardest language that exists. Like, I, what? You know, like if you listen to it, but then as you read it, uh, there's actually some, some truth there. And there's this part of when you're quiet and still and you know God that there's a peace that can come. But if you don't know that God is real or he's not real to you or there's not a relationship with him, uh, peace oftentimes is always evading you. You're always chasing it. And so this scripture of like you be still, you, you quiet yourself, you disconnect from all the things that are, are concerned and overwhelming you and you get to a place where you just, you realize God is there. So for me, oftentimes in my life, it's just, it's this prayer of surrender. God, I need you today. I can't face everything I'm gonna face without you. I surrender to you. It's being still and then recognizing that he's there. Be still and know God. But there's, there's more. There's more than that. The scriptures actually, if you look to the next part, 
it talks about this exchange. And the exchange happens when we're still, when we know God, we can exchange our hurry for stillness. Uh, We've talked about how the hurried life is probably one of the biggest impacts on our spiritual life. And it's the same with prayer. The more busy you are, again, top on our list, distracted, distracted, top on our list, the more hurried, distracted, and busy you are, oftentimes the less prayer life you have. Those usually go, go hand in hand. But the promise that you find in the calls to prayer from scriptures are always this exchange from all the things that are so important and weighing on us. We can exchange all of that, just running after, pursuing, taking care of, control approach to life, and I actually can slow down, I can be still, and I can invite God in to what I'm facing. Prayer doesn't magically make the things disappear, but it puts things into perspective. And this is the next part of the scripture. So it's be still, know God. And then what does it say? I will be exalted. This is God speaking. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, isn't that interesting? There's this being still, knowing that God is there. And then it's a command and really a reminder of who God is. So who are you being still before? Who can you know? Well, you can know an almighty, exalted God. And what kind of a God? Again, it's this exalted one. Uh, He's the one who's above all. The scripture describes him as a fortress. So think about what's on your mind, what's weighing on you. Prayer is this reminder that you can go to a God who is a fortress. There is protection there. And he's the exalted one. So this exalting means that he has a vantage point we don't have. And that is the God of the Bible, the one true God. He's lifted on high. He knows everything. He has always been and he always will. There's nothing that you face that's beyond his comprehension. That's beyond his care. That's beyond his scope. He sees all, he knows all. And at the same time, he's near. And that's the God of the Bible. Uh, When I was in college, I learned the second part of this scripture. I always thought Psalm 46.10 was be still and know that I'm God. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Most of the time, I heard Psalm 46, 10, part A. And part A is that be still and know that I am God. But the rest of the verse, the rest of verse 10, that doesn't start on 11. It says, I will be exalted. And it wasn't until I was in college that I realized that I had been missing one of the most important aspects of this reality of who God is. It's not just about being still and knowing him. It's about knowing who he is. Again, the one who's above all, who sees all, who has power. Now, verse 11 is what is interesting. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. Now, when you read hosts, especially with this time of year, you're like, oh, he's like, is this about being hospitable? Like the Lord is hosting people? Well, actually, in the Hebrew, which this is written in the Old Testament, that word host literally means army. So very different meaning. It's much beyond just hosting. He's talking about, he's actually bringing forth this army that represents the kingdom of God. It represents his power. It represents, uh, he's moving on our behalf. The Lord of hosts, as we're still before him, as we know who he is, he is the exalted one, the Lord that brings protection, the Lord that brings the help, the Lord that has uh, the resources that we need. That's the reality of prayer. The more we focus on our problems, the bigger our problems get. 
The more we focus on our resources, the more we think we need more. But the moment that we're still and we remember who God is and the promises of Scripture and we cry out to God, I want to know you, I want to be still before you, I know that you are exalted, I know you are the protector. That's where we can begin to get into the right perspective and the posture of prayer. Today's title is called Peace and Posture. Most of the time we want the peace, but what prayer does, it actually helps us focus on the posture that is our place before God that brings the peace. And prayer is really that that channel from which we can get the peace of God through a prayer. It's real and it happens. And so we can exchange our hurry for stillness. And as we exchange that, and as we focus on prayer, we're entering into this reality of how the world really works. Again, I'm not the center of it all. What I have is no surprise to God. What I'm facing is not beyond him, even though it may be beyond me. So many times in my life, I've just had to come to a point where like, God, I don't have the understanding of this. I don't have the, the answers to this. I don't know what to do with this. And prayer is that reminder of like, well, you don't have to. You don't have to have all the answers. You're not God. He is the exalted one. He is the fortress. He's the leader of the spiritual army that will help. So prayer begins with this stillness and knowing who he is. And as you read God's word and you get to know him, that becomes the fuel then for your prayer life. You pray that truth back to God. So that's the first reality of prayer. I get to see it from God's point of view, how he sees me, how he sees the world, and then who I am in relationship to him. Now, prayer uh, also reminds us of sometimes we can make majors on the minors and minors out of the, major, the majors. Now, I, was, I don't know how I came across this, but I was studying, I came across some images of, of light pollution. And light pollution is the idea that uh, in all of our advances in technology and progress, you find this a lot, sometimes the more progress we make, the less progress we have. Certainly that could be the case with technology. Uh, but there's light pollution that exists, especially in the major cities of the world. And the idea is like as you uh, populate a center and you fill it with people and you build buildings with lights, it tends to actually uh, cause this light pollution so that you can't see uh, the natural world. That is the way God has made it. Uh, here's a picture of LA. On the left is the light pollution. And on the right, that is literally what the sky would look like without the light pollution. Now, that's crazy. Now, in LA, we're also thinking, did they counter for smog? No, smog's probably a part of that too, right? But the idea is, from our perspective, because of all that we build and all that we major on and all that we focus on, many times in life, we focus on the left. It's just what we can see. But prayer is the reminder there's so much more going on. There's a God at work. And we can pollute our lives with all of our cares and all of our concerns, and we can make those the brightest, and then we can't see. Isn't that the irony of it? The more bright things are, sometimes the less we can see. Uh, here's a picture of Cape Town. Look at the view of that on the right. Isn't that amazing? That is God's handiwork. That represents his majesty, his strength. But when you just magnify your own things and the hurry of life and the concerns of this world, 
the left is all you see. Very different vantage points. So that's that exchange. God, as I pray and as I surrender and I'm still before you, I want to exchange just from what I can see and I ask you to help me see what you see. That's the posture of prayer. Now I want to talk a little bit about the peace that comes through prayer. And that's the, the, next, the next point. Prayer is an invitation to trust fully. Oftentimes, prayer is an indicator of how much you trust God. It, it actually is how, how life works. So if, if prayer is, is seeing it from God's vantage point and then being still and then choosing to trust him, then how much do I do that that reflects that reality? And oftentimes it's just simple math. How much time do we spend stewing over our concerns and then how much do we time, time do we spend in prayer? Sometimes I don't want to do that math. But we find ourselves there just as a measure of our trust. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Before I, I don't put that up yet. I'm going to read a scripture right now, which I feel like is probably the most quoted and overused scripture and the least applied. I want to give that the caveat. Because if you're like me, you, you hear it and, and you've probably heard it before. And I've preached sermons on it before. And you've probably read it before. And you've thought about it before. But this scripture related to prayer and our perspective, if it's literal, which I think it is, something we're supposed to do, then it really is life-changing. And so the question is, like, why doesn't that seem like reality in our life? So I I just want to say that, and then I want to read it. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Right there, terrible scripture. The word that's terrible is always. That doesn't even make sense. But it must because it's repeated. It's almost like we say, that doesn't make sense. And he's like, oh no, again I say it. Rejoice. Okay, that's speaking to certain posture. Whatever I face, I can rejoice. Whatever I face, I can be still. Whatever I face, I can know that God's there. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. One thing that's really interesting about this passage is, this is written by Paul to the church in Philippi, hundreds of years later than the Psalm that I just read. But you can actually see some similar themes. And so just kind of see if you can catch up some ideas. One, the Lord is near, that's one of them. Uh, Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, another terrible verse. But in everything, huh? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So if that's literal, does that change the way our day looks? Does it? Yeah. Does it change the way we handle hard things? Yeah. Does it change the way we handle pressure? Yeah. And then seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's my idea about this passage of Scripture. If you don't wrestle with this, it's like you don't understand it. And the end is, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So the idea is the rejoicing and the not being anxious 
It comes from a peace from practice. And if you haven't practiced the prayer that brings the peace, it doesn't make sense. Because the peace of God, verse 7, it transcends all understanding. Well, how do you get that peace? Well, it's through prayer. And so the idea is most of the time this scripture is such a struggle because we've not engaged in the actual practice of prayer to see the peace come. And then when the peace comes, you can rejoice. And then when the peace comes, you don't have to be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer, the discipline is there. So this is one of those scriptures where we highlight the peace, we magnify the peace. But actually, if you don't pray, you don't get the peace. Like it doesn't make sense. So then the rejoicing doesn't make sense. And then not handling anxieties just yourself doesn't make sense. So this is like very counterintuitive and a very different perspective of life. And for me, myself, I've, I've had to, to wrestle with this. This is one of those passages I've had to come back to again and again in my life and ask, is this true? Do I really believe this? Is this God's word? Is it meant to be applied? Then that should transform the way that I live. If it's real, it's true. And so think through this compared to Psalm 46, and I love just the thematic connection. Um, the writer of the Psalm says to, to be still and to know God, and then the writer here, Paul, says the Lord is near. And then to, to know God, and then Paul says, you know, don't be anxious. Well, how do you not be anxious? Because you know God, and then you pray. And then uh, the scripture goes, goes further. You'll see it on the next, the next slide there. Notice the similarity. Remember the Lord of hosts is a fortress. And what? The peace of God, what does it do? It guards. Very interesting. Similar. The Lord is near. Be still and know God. The Lord is near. Know him. But in everything, your, your anxieties, know him, you, you give them. How do you, you know God? You, you give him what's on your plate. That's how you know him. It's how you grow in your knowledge of him. It's like whatever I'm facing, I'm not holding on to myself. I'm giving it back to him. So very interesting. He's near. We don't have to be anxious, but we pray because he's near and we know who he is. And then we get a peace of God from the Lord of hosts, which will guard us. And this speaks of that exchange, not just the, the hurriness for stillness, but this scripture is actually saying we can exchange our anxiety for peace. We can exchange our anxiety for peace. If I can be honest with you, I don't know many people that think that that's really true, enough to live like that. But if the scripture is true, and this is what God's saying, then we don't have to face our anxiety by ourselves and it be a reality that we just live with. There's an exchange. We can exchange it for the peace of God, which doesn't make sense. But through practice of prayer, it does. And for me, again, it's, it's, it's just math. How much time do I take during a week mulling, stewing, worrying over the things that concern me? So if you were to do math yourself from maybe this morning to last Sunday morning, a week, and if you were to calculate how many times you spend in your mind worried or stressed about things, 
Would you consider yourself a worrier? Anyone? You worry. You're anxious. Uh, You don't sleep well. You wake up in the middle of the night. You're thinking about something. That's the worst. All that time counts. All those things that we're trying to process. I don't know how many times in my life I've made a conclusion about something that's not happened. And then from that conclusion, it's led to other things that have not yet happened. And then I speculate what will happen if those things that have not yet happened happened. You you know what I'm saying? And before you know it, you have time that you have spent literally in a reality that has not yet happened. But it's, it's like breathing. And I don't make light of it. This is a struggle for me. Before I realize it, just like breathing, I'm like, oh, wait, there's an anxious thought again. Oh, there's a worry again. It's just like breathing. You don't think about it, but you do it. And that's most of the time it is for anxiety. Uh, Anxiety, depression in our world, especially in our country, is on the rise. The numbers since COVID, I mean, talk about an epidemic. It is terrible how many people struggle with deep discouragement and despair. Um, A third of all adults on a regular basis, experience depression and anxiety symptoms. And I think that's just on the rise. Uh, If you're 18 to 24, so if you're a younger adult, 50%, 50% are gonna struggle with those types of symptoms. Um, 20% of adults have an anxiety disorder. This is from a few years ago. I think that's on the rise. And then from 2016 to 2019, in children, there was a 27% increase from anxiety symptoms. Now, 2019, very interesting, pre-COVID, and it's up 27%. You're not even finding so much research since COVID because it's so terrible. But you can see most people, they're not exchanging their anxiety for peace. And for those who don't know God, there's no exchange. That's why we have to share him, proclaim him, because there's people that have no exchange. All they have is their anxiety. But the church, we have to be different. We can't let our anxieties define us. We can't let just our anxious thoughts be uh, who we are. We have to be different than the world because we have an exchange program with God where we can take what concerns us and we can give it to him. We can take our worry and we can give it to him. And so for all of us, the call forward is, God, help me to spend time more in prayer than I do mulling my anxieties. Help me to spend more time in prayer talking to somebody else about my anxieties. Help me to spend more time in prayer than I'm learning about my anxieties. We can spend so much time uh, trying to educate ourselves, talking to friends, talking to therapists, uh, taking drugs, taking mushrooms, all of these things people are trying to do just to transform our understanding, to get to other realities and other knowledge, and other learning. And we have the Lord of hosts saying, I'm here. I'm exalted. And I'm near. And I will help you. What would that look like if we lived like that? If we did exchange our anxiety and all the fears that we have, and we just prayed to God, and we asked him for help. Now, the thing with prayer is, it's not just a magic key. We've been talking about that just related to foolish tendencies. Like, okay, I need just rescued. Well, it begins with the process of like, you talk to God about it, you get his perspective, you ask him for help. 
and then you take the next step. Then that anxiety comes up again and you talk to God, you ask him for help and you keep moving forward. And the church should exist. Listen, as we're praying to God, but we also wanna help each other. And so if you're praying to God and you're doing all you can, you still may need to get help. And that's where the community of faith exists. We wanna pray for you, we wanna pray with you, we wanna help you. This isn't just our problems disappear, but it is now this reality. I'm gonna continue to see things from your perspective, the exalted one who is near, who can help. And I believe that I can exchange all of the anxious thoughts that I have for peace. And somebody may ask how that works, and I could honestly say, I don't really know because it doesn't make sense. But I know God hears me and he helps me. And he gives me a peace that I've not known before. This should be the cry of the church. You can have a peace that you've never had that will always be as you turn to trust in him. So what does this mean? Well, consider what you thought about or wrote about in the beginning of what's on your mind. The great thing with God being who he is, the one who exalted and the one who is near, he cares about you and he cares about me. That actually blows me away. To think the exalted one over all the earth is near to me and he's near to you, that's the greatest gift that we've been given. Think about that. What a privilege we have to be known by our creator who is over all, who makes the stars in the very sky. Uh, This morning I was just spending some time with the Lord And just God gave me this verse that just echoed exactly what I'm talking about. And God does that a lot. But this is Hebrews 4, 16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Lord is near and he's exalted. He's on the throne, but his throne is a throne of grace. There's acceptance there. There's kindness there. There's understanding there. God is just, but he's also gracious. And his throne is a throne of grace. And then the scripture says, when we approach it, we can receive mercy and find the grace to help in time of need. This is what prayer is. God, I'm approaching you, and I know that I'm approaching your throne of grace. And although I don't deserve your favor, you've given it to me. So you're not ignoring me. You're hearing me. You know exactly what is going on in my life right now. And you give me your grace and you give me your mercy. So no matter what I've done, I'm accepted by you. And you want to give me help in my time of need. What a precious promise from our God. That's Hebrews 4.16. That's a great scripture to memorize. So, What does this mean? Well, let's just kind of walk through some next steps. Uh, Next week, Alex Stewart uh, is going to be preaching through uh, the Lord's Prayer, the first part, with just some instructions for how to pray. And so if you're hearing like, okay, God's reality and anxiety and exchanging, but I just don't know how to pray, we'll talk more about the how-tos next week. And so I look forward to hearing from uh, Alex. But there are some things that you can do this week. And so some next steps. I want to invite the band up and Ben, we're gonna receive our offering in a moment. I just wanna kind of close out our time. But here's the first next step. The best way for you to pray, you know what the answer is? Any ideas? What's the best way to pray? 
How would you answer there? Say it again. Just do it. The best way to pray is, is to pray. I heard a, a guy say this. We, we must pray as we can, not as we can't. So most of the time when we talk about prayer, it's like, well, I don't know how or I don't have the time. I'm distracted. I'm busy. But the best way to pray is, is to pray. And so you just want to create a daily prayer rhythm. And you might want to ask these questions. When will I pray? You do need to think through when prayer will happen in your life, especially if you don't have the reflex for it yet. Because prayer happens a lot of times when you face something. It's like, I need to pray about that. But if you don't have the reflex, you need to build that in. So the idea is, when will I pray about the things that I'm concerned about? If it doesn't just happen when the concern comes, you need to build in that, that time. And then where? Where will prayer happen for you? How should I pray? We'll talk about that more next week. But you just be yourself and you just talk to God like you would anyone else. He'll hear you. And then how long should I pray? Start with 30 seconds. See if you can make it. And then go to 45. But you just start. Start where you are. But the reason I bring this up is there's no way to start prayer without being intentional about it. And so you want to think through getting it in my calendar so it's, it's in my life. Second next step, take, take an anxiety and pray it to God. What does that last word say? Repeat. That's how it is. So if you're anxious, this is the best time for you to pray. You take that anxiety and you pray it to God. So for me, some of the times it's like, I don't know what to do in this situation, God. Will you help me? God, I don't know uh, my next step. Will you help me? It's just saying, God, I'm, I'm really burdened by this. Will you show me what to do? God, will you give me just mercy as I'm dealing with this situation? It's just taking that concern, what you're feeling, and you just pray it back to God. And then when it comes back, you pray it again. Then when it comes back, you pray it again. You keep praying. That's the idea. And then over time, your prayer life's grown. And then the last is uh, read and pray back Psalm 46. One of the greatest things to pray is to pray God's word back. That's the truth. So Psalm 46, we've spent a couple verses on that. But you can take, just read the rest and just line by line, pray that back to God. And so pick a next step to take related to prayer. I encourage you to do that. And speaking of that, let, let's pray together as we close out our time. God, thank you for the help that you give us. And you are near and you are the exalted one at the same time. God, I pray for those here that are overwhelmed by what's on their plate, by things out of their control, by responsibilities that just seem to have gotten away, uh, by relationships that are fragmented. God, our anxieties are real. Uh, we don't have to fake our life, but you meet us right in the middle of the mess. And so God, I pray for every single one of us this week and today, we'll exchange our anxieties for prayer and experience the peace that only you can give. God, I pray that you'll grow us as a church to be a praying church that really does be still before you, make effort to know you, and to make you known. So we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.